0: the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show.
1: It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, which is DePetro.com. We have made it to Friday. Today's Friday. It is March 26th. And, folks, we have a great program in store Now, as you know, President Biden did have his first big briefing yesterday, and then last night, President Trump, he was on with Laura Ingram. Have you heard some of this? President Trump was on with Laura Ingram on Fox and uh, talked a little bit about his reaction to President Biden's press briefing yesterday, and it sounded like this.
2: Nobody's seen anything like it. You know it. You know it better than anybody. You cover it so well, and it's... uh... It's very sad to watch. Actually, they're they're feeding him questions. They're easy questions. I noticed Peter Ducey didn't get to ask a question today. And uh, there could be no difficult questions. Uh, And they're ready to rip the microphone away if somebody did get a little bit testy. Uh, And, you know, he just looked the whole thing is ridiculous. You know it. And so do
3: I. Oh, where was it? Where was there Jim Acosta? Mr. Mr. President, where was there Jim Acosta? I mean, uh, they'd have a well, like in your face every day. They don't and others they have
2: that, yeah. But and if Jim Acosta were there, he'd ask very uh, soft questions. It would be
3: a whole different thing. The Democrats uh, are also, uh, yeah. The Democrats are also saying
1: that folks. Uh, well, you know, the, he's exactly right. I mean, the tone. I'm going to play some of the sound. They were beyond respectful. Listen, anyone that saw it, no one's going to convince me. Um, President Biden, I, he he's frail he's slowly failing that was difficult he couldn't have gotten through yesterday uh without his uh cards and and was very simple as soon as they would mention a topic he would go to his car let's hear a little bit more president trump last night with laura ingram in this country just
3: oh showing a vote showing an id to vote is is jim crow your reaction to that offensive comparison mr president
2: Well, Jim Crow is their most often used term over the last three weeks. I notice it's constantly being used. But they're trying to get something with no voter ID, no signature verification, send all the ballots you can. You'll never have another fair election in this country. Just like if you look at the last election, it was disgraceful. It was a third world election. It was a disgrace. Legislatures didn't approve much of what happened. Our Supreme Court should be ashamed of themselves under the Constitution. All of the things that they were doing had to be approved by legislatures and legislatures and ors. And if you take a look at it, the Democrats went to the Republican legislatures. There were five of five of them and they went to the republican legislatures could not get approval so they did it anyway that's in total violation of the constitution and what they did was uh, absolutely disgraceful and if you look at the numbers the numbers were vastly in favor of us in the presidential election. It was disgraceful that they were able to get away with yeah, it. The well, Supreme Ms. Court didn't have
3: the courage yeah, to do well, what I, they had to do. Uh, speaking as a speaking as a lawyer, we're not going to relitigate the past uh, tonight. But speaking as a lawyer, I mean, I think going going forward, I think any candidate running for office has to have a impeccable legal strategy in place before, like long before the election takes place, because. A lot of people saw problems coming and verification problems coming, but I don't I don't think the legal situation was in uh, in place. And I think that that hurt everybody along the way. But I want to ask you about the courts, the courts did not want to enforce it. You know that,
2: Laura, You, um, you know exactly that. And the Supreme Court, when you had Texas and 18 states, the Supreme Court said they don't have standing. The Supreme Court didn't want to hear it.
3: And yeah, a lot of Republicans because they on didn't that want to make Court. a decision like they yeah. know they had to make. So a lot, they didn't yeah. have the courage to do what they had to do. Well, moving forward, I have to ask you about this
1: embarrassing meeting between. Bi- now, again, folks, this was President Trump last night on with Laura Ingram. And, uh, you know, what he says next and. You know, all of this talk about the Capitol and so forth, I want to remind people when they got inside, they then left when they were told to. They didn't vandalize anything. Not really. I mean, they went through rummage through Nancy Pelosi's desk. But I mean, they didn't do some of they didn't set the place on fire. They didn't do some of the type of destruction that we all watched last year between Black Lives Matter and Antifa. But this is President Trump uh, last night after reacting to the Biden press briefing with uh, Laura Ingram on Fox. Uh, Let me just play some of this. It would
3: have been burned down to the ground. Are and you those concerned? are the ones you have to worry about? Are you concerned that the US Capitol after January 6, uh has become a fortress protecting uh the Capitol from the people who are supposed to actually be the ones in charge here, not the people who are uh are sitting in the Capitol surrounding themselves by razor wire. I think it's disgraceful. It looks for the
2: world to watch absolutely. It's a political maneuver that they're doing. Uh, it was a zero threat right from the start. It was zero threat. Look, uh, they went in and uh, they shouldn't have done it. Uh, uh, some of them went in and they're they're hugging and kissing the police and the guards. You know, they, they had great relationships. Uh, a lot of the people were waved in and then they walked in and they walked out. And I'll tell you what, they're doing things to those, they're persecuting a lot of those people. And some of them should be, some things should happen to them. But uh, when I look at Antifa in Washington, even with what they did to Washington and what they did to other locations and the destruction and frankly, the killing and the beating up of people and nothing happens to them whatsoever, why aren't they going after Antifa? I watched this gentleman on 60 Minutes the
3: other night it was horrible what he said. Now, you talking about, he now, now you're talking about the former prosecutor who's prosecuting. Yeah.
1: Uh, some. Of- Again, that was President Trump last night on Fox with Laura Ingram. By the way, he, he's exactly uh, right about that. He is exactly right. The fact that most of the people, first of all, let's talk most of the people were peaceful. Um, on top of that, many of the people that went inside, they just took with hats And with flags and they took selfies of themselves inside and some of them we've been posing with photos uh with some of the capitol police but where he's exactly right is once they got inside you know all this talk about insurrection everything you know there was no one taking hostages they didn't secure the building if anyone truly if they really wanted to take over that take over the capital and and take over the government and so forth i mean the opportunity was was certainly there so but you didn't you didn't get anything like that so for all this talk and they are very aggressively going after all of the people and you never saw this type of aggressive action in going after anyone that basically destroyed every major city last summer Let's hear a little bit of, no, yesterday we did carry it and I'm glad we did. And it was President Biden certainly had a tough time getting through his first. Now we know why, folks, they did not have him with uh, the press briefing. So
4: do you believe it should take 60 Uh -uh. votes to end a filibuster on legislation or 51?
0: (laughs) If we could end it with 51, we would have no problem. You're going to have to, the existing rule, uh, it's going to be hard to, Get a parliamentary ruling that allows 50 votes to end the filibuster, the, the existence of a filibuster. Um, but um, it's not my expertise in what the parliamentary rules and how to get there are. But our preoccupation with the filibuster is totally legitimate.
1: He was but just stalling. He was just it. stalling for, for time. He was trying to take as long as he could with these questions. Okay.
0: Cecilia Vega.
4: I'd like to circle back to immigration, please. Uh, You you just listed the reasons that people are coming, uh, talking about in-country problems, saying that it happens every year. You blamed the last administration. Sir, I just got back last night from a reporting trip to the border where I met nine-year-old Jose, Who walked here from Honduras by himself uh, along with another little boy? He had that phone number on him, and we were able to call his family. His mother says that she sent her son to this country because she believes that you are not deporting unaccompanied minors like her son. That's why she sent him alone from Honduras. So, sir, you blame the last administration, but is your messaging and saying that these children are and will be allowed to stay in this country and work their way through this process encouraging families like joselle's to come
0: well look <laughs> the idea that i'm going to say which i would never do that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side no previous administration's that either Except Trump. I'm not going to do it.
1: Nobody starved to death.
0: I'm not going to do it.
1: That's not true. That's
0: why I've asked the Vice President of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. It's because of earthquakes, floods. It's because of lack of food It's because of gang violence It's because of a whole range of things that when I was Vice President had the same obligation to deal with unaccompanied children. I was able to get it slowed up significantly by working with the heads of state of those communities to do things like in one of the major cities the reason people were leaving is they couldn't walk in the street because they were getting their kids were getting beat up or shot or gang violence well. What I was able to do is not give money to the head of state because so many are corrupt, but I was able to say, okay, you need lighting in the streets to change things? I'll put the lighting this in. This a non-answer. We got a contractor. We got the He's type of lighting. Up the we clock. paid directly to the contractor. did not go through the government. And violent crime significantly was reduced in that city. Fewer people sought to leave. When this hurricane occurred, two hurricanes, instead of us going down and helping, in a major way so that people would not have a reason to want to leave in the first place because they didn't have housing or water or sustenance, we did nothing. We're going to do a lot in our administration. We're going to be spending that $700-plus plus million a year to change the life and circumstances of why people leave in the first place. That mother did not sit around with on, on the kitchen table and, and say, you know, I got a great idea. Why I'm going to make sure my son get taken care of is I'm going to put him. How old was he or she? He's
4: nine. I also met a 10 year old,
0: a a, a nine year old. I'm going to send him on a thousand mile journey across the desert and up to the United States because I know Joe Biden's a nice guy and he'll take care of him. What a desperate act to have to take. Send them back. Must be horrible.
1: Send them back. So
0: we can do something about that. That's what the vice president's going to be doing.
1: Everybody can't when live I, here.
0: When President
1: Obama go asked me his to come country. and deal, I was in, I was come in here.
0: Uh, Turkey at the time. He said, you got to come home and We're take care full. of this. So we put together a plan and it had an impact. Keep them there. And so the question here is, Shift whether or how we go ahead and do this, what we do.
1: Send them back.
0: There's no easy answer.
1: Improve their life.
4: Quick follow, if I may, do you want to see these unaccompanied minors staying in this ch- this country or should they no. be deported eventually? Yes. Well, the
0: judgment has to be made whether or not, in, th- in this young man's case, he has a mom at home. There's an overwhelming reason why he'd be put in a plane and flown back to his mom.
1: Good. Is that an answer? Not an answer. Follow, sir.
4: You mentioned uh, circumstances that must be Now he's the Customs and Border Protection Facility in Donna, uh, Texas, I this was there is the president. Is at 1,556% capacity yep. right now with mostly unaccompanied minors. There are kids More that are sleeping coming. on floors. They are packed uh, into these pods. I've spoken to lawyers who say that they some of these children have not seen the sun in days. What's your reaction? Re, what is your reaction to these images home. that have come out from that particular facility? Is home. what's happening inside acceptable to you, and when is this going to be fixed?
0: I, I, that's a serious question, right? Is it acceptable to me? Come on. That's why we're going to be moving a 1,000 of those kids out quickly. That's why I got Fort More, Bliss opened
1: up. 2,000 will replace the them. The
0: moment this started to happen to try to find additional access for children to be able to safely, can't not be just children, here particularly like this. children, to be able to safely be housed oh. while we follow through on the rest of what's happening. That is totally unacceptable.
1: What's unacceptable is you're not doing anything. That's President Biden, folks, from yesterday. You're not doing anything. You're not doing anything to improve the situation. You move out 1,000, 3,000 will replace them. It is an open border. You're going to talk to these countries. You're going to work with these countries. You can't keep sending your people here. Something's got to be done. All right, a lot more ahead. This is the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time. 508- 336 7801 again 508 336 7801 you focus on your business let MEGA professionals help you find the workers meager professionals 508 336 7801
5: have you been thinking about updating your website do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional has been doing this work for 23 years contact karen etchels at Innovas digital marketing karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results she's local and responsive call karen etchels at 401-321-2799 that's 401-321-2799
4: or find karen on the web at www.innovast.com
1: Folks, you're listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11 and we go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, depetro.com It is time for our legal segment. Joining us is our um, legal analyst, and he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. there's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I'd like to start off. This is an interesting defense that attorney Sid Powell, who was, uh, as we've talked about, was way out. Uh, on a, you know, 10 feet on a nine foot uh, diving board where um, she's being sued very severe um, since serious lawsuits. And um, it's an interesting defense that she seems to be coming up with.
5: Yes. Um, it's kind of surprising, John. Um, city Powell, through her attorneys, is moving to dismiss the case that's been filed against her for a billion three by Dominion um, Voting Systems. She claims that no reasonable person would conclude that what she was saying about this, the alleged voting irregularities were, quote, truly statements of fact. She says that she can't be liable um, if the information she based her opinions and legal theories on were uh, unreliable. Well, that's that's a nice statement. And it probably is a correct statement, but it's a statement that doesn't quite square with, I don't think, uh, what she was out there doing. You know that typically when we read in the paper or we watch media reports or hear them, it will say so-and-so who is alleged to have done such-and-such. Usually you put that qualifier, alleged. Uh, police have suggested that this person did such and such it's alleged that they did such and such that means that you're not saying it's true you're repeating an allegation that somebody did something now, if Sidney Powell had just said upon information and belief we think in, in legal papers upon information and belief you know plaintiff averse that Dominion did such and such That would be okay. But she went way beyond that. She was out there in the media saying it is definitive factual statements. That if did this, they had some system that you could manipulate, you could change the algorithms, you could change the vote totals, and all of those other things that she was out there talking about to virtually any news organization that she would give her a microphone. So, when she now says, Well, wait a minute, that was a legal theory. Wait a minute, that was only my opinion. She never couched it, to the best of my recollection, as really opinions and legal theories. She was stating it as facts. And if you recall when this whole specter of possible voter irregularities, voting irregularities occurred, she was out there saying, We're going to prove this. People are going to go to jail. I have irrefutable facts. I'm going to bring my case into the courts. I mean, for the folks who didn't like the election results, she was out front saying things in such a definitive way. They weren't theories. They weren't opinions. She was putting them out there as facts that she could prove. And as, as we saw this all unfold, she couldn't prove any of it. So I don't think, John, that she is going to get this case dismissed on the theory that no one would really believe she was making statements of fact. She led the world to believe that she had the facts, she was stating the facts, and she was going to prove those facts. So um, it's an interesting try, but I think it's um, going to fail.
1: Tim, uh, Tim, she she was saying she was going to release the kraken, not the alleged kraken. She she had the goods. She was gonna blow the whole thing up.
5: Yes, and you know, for better or for worse, I mean there's certainly time constraints after an election, but for all the krakens that were going to be released, uh, not one judge saw any credibility to what she was putting forth. Both her and Rudy Giuliani and Lynn Wood. And all of them that were out there saying, this is what we're going to prove, they didn't prove any of it. Now, you could say, well, that judge was biased. That judge is an Obama appointee. That judge is a Clinton appointee. But... There were also judges appointed by uh, the Bush administration. I think there were also some judges that were appointed by the Trump administration. So you can't say that all the judges were in the tank and they were all biased and they were all, you know, covering up for a corrupt system. I mean, some people might think that. But again, as, as good prosecutors say, there's a difference between what I know and what I can prove. So. Sidney Powell might think in her heart of hearts that there was some corruption with the uh, vote counts and the voting software, but she can't prove it. And she put it out there, as you say, she was going to release the crack. And she put it out there as definitive. She said people are going to jail. She didn't say it's my opinion that people might or if my theory holds water, people might go to jail. She made it sound like, holy cow, she's going to blow the lid right right off on this thing. And uh, she never laid a glove on the allegation that Dominion did something nefarious. So this is not going to work for her. She's in this for a much longer haul. Uh, she's not going to get a quick out of this case, John, in my opinion.
1: now Tim Dodd, she, not only her, but, you know, they gave the impression, and I'll go back to the MyPillow guy, which was... You know, they they were initially this is a, a change, I think, of strategy. They were initially saying, oh, good, they're going to sue us this way. Then we can demand in discovery. Then we're going to, you know, get the evidence we wanted. She she was almost kind of laying the groundwork that this was almost like an elaborate trap they were setting. But to now say, well, listen, no reasonable person would have believed me when I said those things. I, I, I think she's in a real bind here, Tim Dodd.
5: I think she's in a real bind, too. Now, let's assume the fallback position is to dig in, do your pretrial discovery, take depositions, ask for interrogatory questions, et cetera. She might still find the golden nuggets she has been searching for and that apparently have eluded her to date. Um, it's smart to try to get rid of this case before you get into the discovery process just to save her own neck and not be liable for all of these uh, monetary damages if this fails she can still go through the discovery process so the fact that she's trying this doesn't mean that she doesn't have evidence she is hoping to procure through the discovery process she's just looking to avoid the whole drama if she can but this is not going to succeed. This 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 play that she's making right now, um, it's unique, it's creative, but I think ultimately it's unsuccessful. I can't imagine any judge granting a motion to dismiss on the theory that no one would ever believe that these were statements of facts; that they are just opinions and theories. Mm. She never
1: pitched it that way. No. And and Tim Dodd just finally, when, you know, she was at the White House with General Flynn trying to make the argument to President Trump that, you know, they had the goods and they needed more time. And at one point they were trying to get him to name her like in charge of elections. But when she was on Lou Dobbs or some of these other programs, I mean, she she never said, in my opinion, I think that this or that this was position of authority. As you say, people are going to jail we got the goods. Get ready. I mean, it, it's uh, it's surprising that this is the, the end result. Well, Go ahead.
5: And, and, John, and, John, it's, you know, I'm sure President Trump feels in his heart of hearts that the election was stolen. Right. And I'm sure that he watched election returns and can't come to grips with the fact that mail-in ballots and some of these vote totals changed at the 11th hour. And anyone can have reasonable suspicions or reasonable doubts about what happened. But Sidney Powell was telling the president exactly what he wanted to hear, which in turn led him to get way out front, you know, crying election fraud, crying, crying, you know, he had won Pennsylvania, he had won Georgia. And Sidney Powell's whispering the perfect things in his ear that he's time to hear that the election's been stolen and he's going to flip it back over um, he relied on her he believed her i think he wanted to believe her but in any event one wonders if he had, would have been so strident mm. in some of the post-election things he was saying um, if Sidney powell had a bit a bit more circumspect and saying you know president we think this might be how it worked but we don't, we don't have the goods. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, she did not serve Donald Trump well, No. nor did Linwood, nor did Rudy.
1: Yeah. I
5: mean, they they inveigled their way into the the Oval Office. They got the president's confidence. They got a lot of face time with a sitting president, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, they ill-advised him. Um, they gave him terrible advice. Um, he relied on it to his detriment. Uh, they're all getting sued, so the whole thing uh, has been illegal and a public relations disaster. I mean, mm. it, it didn't have to be this way. No, she should have never been saying these things. If she was bluffing, you don't bluff about things like
1: this. No, and then to finally to come out and say no reasonable person would have believed it. Well, you know. The president of the United States believed it. Folks, we're going to take a <clears throat> quick break. A lot more legal analysts, Rhode Island top attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DiPietro show. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today 401 431 2300. MEGA, Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, Third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MIGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.
4: 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com.
1: This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil. Make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401 521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Call them today 401 521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website henryoil.com or call them today 401 401- 521 0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401 521 0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable, Fuel Oil Delivery, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. It's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200 this winter. I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. We're speaking with Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, something that people are asking a lot, and that is, how is it legally that you have all these people, thousands of people showing up, at the u.s border a lot of them children and people are wondering why is it that we just don't turn them away they act as if they have they have a, a legal right to enter the country and it's i i think it's dicey It it's also sometimes misinterpreted how people are claiming asylum but it, it it's definitely a problem where people are wondering why is it that it's like we're, we're legally bound to accept these people showing up at our Southern border.
5: Well, I'm not sure mm. if it's a legal obligation or if it's a humani- a humanitarian, um, sense of obligation that you just can't turn these in many instances, unaccompanied minors away. Um, so it's a humanitarian crisis, uh, My understanding is that the Trump administration had made arrangements with, um, largely with Mexico, that um, people in this situation, if they made it to the border, uh, would not be allowed admittance into the United States, and Mexico was detaining them on their side of the border. That's based upon agreements that the Trump administration had with uh, the Mexican government. They had similar um, uh, deals in place with uh, Honduras and with Guatemala, and all of those, I believe, treaties or understandings are out the window uh, with the Biden administration. Um, you know, Joe Biden has said it's one of his goals to uh, make the 11 billion, and I think it's probably more, but that's always the number that's bandied about, 11 million illegals in this country, to have a pathway to citizenship um, in addition to the dreamers and in addition to those coming up the line. So President Biden can say the border is closed, you know, you're not welcome here at this juncture for admittance. And that's a soundbite and the media duly reports it, but the reality is that, um, there's a sense, I think that now is the time for folks to try to crash the border and get in here because they have a sympathetic administration. So it's a policy decision that the administration makes and the Trump administration had a much different set of priorities and, um, You know, rules for um, the uh, integration and naturalization service and for the border security. Everything that uh, Donald Trump did as president has been essentially jettisoned by the Biden administration. So is it a legal imperative or is it a humanitarian imperative? I think it's more of the the second and less of the first. But Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a crisis which uh, is building daily i think that the administration knows that it's a crisis they're claiming they're handling it um and the media is duly reporting that the administration's handling it but if you watch the videos and hear from you know the boots on the ground it's a, a hideously awful humanitarian crisis with no end in sight and an administration that doesn't seem to want to take any um real steps uh, and work with the government of Mexico to stop it uh, and to control it. Um, it also appears, I believe, that most of these um, uh, waves of folks trying to get in are through sections where the wall uh, President Trump was attempting to complete isn't complete. So I think that the wall, at least if you listen to folks who work on the border, that where the wall was erected, it did a good job of funneling people elsewhere, sometimes to the the places that folks are looking for entry now, sometimes other places. And um, I think the Biden administration and other powers that be right now in Washington want to dismantle sections of the wall, and that just seems like an open invitation to intensify the problem that we're seeing right now. Hmm. I don't see how it could possibly make it better.
1: Folks, we speak with our legal uh, analyst expert, Tim Dodd. And um, Tim, close to home, former head of Providence Police Review Board is now suing for retaliatory termination. So Jose Batista, who's now a rep, he was the executive director of the Providence External Review Authority. And with the uh, Sergeant Hanley case, he released those videos in November against the rules in this police brutality case. He was then fired from that. They held a meeting, fired him. And now he is suing the city for firing him from his post from last year. How does someone he he violated the, the rules of of the position how 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 do you see this? As now he's suing the city for this termination.
5: Well, the media reports provide the information you've just relayed. The real substance of um, Jose Batista's case is something slightly different. You're correct. This video was floating around, but not released to the public. Uh, regarding Hanley uh, um, allegedly assaulting a suspect. Um, this commission reviewed the video, determined that it should not be released free trial. Uh, Jose petista took it upon himself to say, no, I think the public has a right to know, and I've got an obligation to tell the public what this is all about. In doing so, he violated a direct... Um, I don't want to say order, but a direct, direct, he violated a directive from the board. It wasn't up to him to say, hey, board, you got it wrong. I'm going to do it the way I want anyways. So the board, I think, had a compelling justification to fire him. The real question is, do they do it in the right manner? Uh, Batista says, um, that when he was fired, it violated his First Amendment rights to free speech. I don't think that's a winning argument. He next claims that um, he got fired because he was a whistleblower. The Rhode Island whistleblower statute typically involves situations where you are the whistleblower um, in reporting um, corrupt practices, uh, financial fraud, um things of that nature, and that when you come forward to say, I'm identifying to um, um, the criminal authorities nefarious activities involving money, fraud, deception, criminal conduct, etc., you could be a whistleblower. I don't think what happened here rises to the level of him being a whistleblower. Where his case probably has some merit is you get into the very thorny area of the open meetings law. So when um, the the directors of this organization made the decision to terminate Jose Batista as executive director, did they follow the appropriate provisions of the Open Meetings Act? Was the agenda properly posted? Was it timely posted? Was this um, agenda item something to be discussed in open session or in executive session? If he was terminated in violation of the Open Meetings Act, uh, he will have a case because it's a very technical situation. Um, i don't know who's legal counsel for this board i don't know who advises them i don't know who posts the agenda um, i don't know who ensures compliance with open meetings law but it sounds like there might be some problems with compliance with open meetings in which case jose Patista will have a case on that basis
1: folks we're going to um we're going to take a quick break again our um He's our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd. We're going to take a quick break. A lot more with attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. We're speaking with our legal analyst folks. He is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, you know, for a long time, these, um, you know, these massage parlors in and around Rhode Island, especially Pawtucket, have been a problem. And what do you make of the fact that uh, seemingly now in using a different type of statue, they were able to, according to the Boston Globe, shut them down?
5: Yes, it's a a unique application of the RICO Act, which is the Racketeering and Corrupt um, Activities Act, uh, which has traditionally, and at its inception, been utilized for uh, law enforcement to go after organized crime, Um, the theory being that these massage parlors are a form of organized crime. There tends to be sort of an interlocking directorate of ownership and management of these places, especially up and down the eastern seaboard with um, women working these um, um, establishments under similar circumstances. It's always somewhat of a question if these folks are working there uh, voluntarily or, you know, not in involuntary servitude, but something close to it to pay off debts or to pay off monies that were advanced. Um, It's a very creepy, uh, sketchy uh, world, and I think there's usually some suspicion that that the women who work at these places are doing it somewhat involuntarily, or at least some of them are working there involuntarily. Uh, Normally when law enforcement speaks to the women working at these places they don't say anything they won't give up whatever they know about how the establishments are run so um the feds in conjunction in this case with the Pawtucket police department utilizing the rico statute went after the money and by going after the money um, they were able to show that there was criminal activity such as laundering the money that was coming into the place. And I believe they've already gotten one participant, one of the owners, operators, uh, to plead guilty to forfeit approximately $650,000 in money, which comes from questionable sources. The clubs are temporary, not the clubs, the establishments are temporarily closed. And I think this will have um, far ranging uh, implications for similar operations um, up and down the East Coast for sure. We know that from the Bob Graff situation, the the state of Florida is loaded with these oriental massage places. Perhaps some are legitimate. Perhaps some um, work out situations where the the workers there for an additional cash payment the guy going in there can get some sort of sexual gratification of some sort. Use your imagination, but um, it's almost a form of prostitution. That um, the RICO statute is shutting it down—at least it's shutting it down in Rhode Island, which is a unique
1: development. Hmm.
5: And I think it's going to be repeated everywhere.
1: Yeah. Tim Dodd also they have now uh seated they they have selected a jury in the Derek Chauvin trial regarding the death of George Floyd. And Tim, before this even starts, it already seems that no matter what the outcome is, uh obviously somebody's not gonna be happy and that regardless of what happens, is the other side will appeal regardless whatever the result is.
5: Well, yes. I mean, if if chauvin um, is found not guilty, um the state can't appeal. They're stuck with a not guilty verdict. If he is found guilty on any of the the, the charges against him, the defense will have, I think, very potent appellate issues. So far, um, the defense can argue that the judge um, erred in in not granting a, tenu- a continuance because of all the pretrial publicity, especially. The word that got out about the $29 million settlement that the Floyd family got, um, that the judge committed error in not changing the venue, moving the the trial to some different part of uh, Minnesota, um, arguing that the judge committed error and not allowing the defense to um, delve further into um, George Floyd's past criminal um, encounters with law enforcement. that's just for openers. And I think this judge has, as we discussed before, been given a very difficult hand to play. and in every one of these pretrial decisions he's made, um, he's creating appellate issues for the defense if things go wrong at at trial. I think that the judge's decision to reinstate the third degree um, charge for um, the death of George Floyd is the biggest appellate issue because without that third degree charge, it would be more likely the jury would find that manslaughter or second degree murder could not be proved by the state. But the third degree has such a low bar of proof. um, It's possible that the jury will say, well, we want to get this guy for something. So we'll go for the least, um, Honorous charge here, and at least we'll get him for something. I, I, I think that the judge going forward, um, in the face of this very large financial settlement that the Floyd family made with uh, the city of, Minnesota, of, of Minneapolis, is problematic. During the pretrial of what year of potential jurors, I think some of them said, hey, with a payout of that much... Chauvin must have done something really wrong. Right. I mean, he must have been really a bad guy if the city's paying out that much money. Um, I guess you can have jurors who say that that does not impact them. Uh, I don't know how it couldn't. Um, If you get some real honest jurors, I guess they will ignore that information. But as we've discussed before, it's hard to know when jurors are telling. The lawyers and the judge, what they think the mm-hmm. lawyers and the judge want to hear, um, and then they're going to do what they want anyways. It's it's a, it's almost impossible to um, always vet the potential jurors completely as to what they really think subjectively, which is versus what they'll say in answer to the questions posed by the judge or by the lawyers during the voir dire process. Mm-hmm
1: folks he is our uh, legal analyst he is attorney tim dobb tim great job as always stay safe and we will talk to you again
5: thanks john take care
1: while the pandemic rages on you need to stay healthy you need to take care of your health you need to stop it and see marie and it's my health 1099 Menden road in cumberland right across from davenport restaurant call marie i call her the queen of health Four zero one. 305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's my health. Because folks, it's about your health. Ten ninety nine, Mendon Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. Who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland right across from Davenport restaurant has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best, plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie And It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Because remember, it's your health. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health. You're listening to The John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest thing to do is log on to my website, petro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Now, there you can, if you want to listen to the program, listen live. You can also contact me that way. That's the easiest way to get me an email if you'd like to advertise on the show. And we also have all our links to social media. We have uh, links to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram